Tom Woods Show, episode 1150. Prepare to set fire to the index card of allowable opinion. Your daily dose of liberty education starts here. The Tom Woods Show. Folks, make plans to join Bob Murphy and me on the Contra Cruise this year. It's the third one we've done, and the testimonials have been unanimous. It is the Libertarian Event of the Year. Wonderful folks, tons of fun, and unforgettable experience. Head over to ContraCruise.com and sign up now. Hi, everybody. Tom Woods here. I've got the carpeting in now here in the office, which should absorb some of that echo I was getting from uh, this new office that I'm operating in. So the recording you're about to hear, nevertheless, though, is from when I didn't have the carpeting, just from the other day, because I just got the carpeting installed today. So it'll sound a little bit different from the audio you're hearing right now. That's just for all you audiophiles who care about things like this. Let's focus on what all you normal people care about, which is the subject of our debate today. I have two gentlemen today who have joined us to talk about Russiagate and talk about whether there may be something there or whether it's something to be altogether dismissed. And arguing that there appear to be genuine grounds for concern, at the very least, is David Pakman, who is the host of The David Pakman Show. And you can listen to him and find out more about him at davidpakman.com. That's P-A-K-M-A-N. And on the other side is Ray McGovern, formerly of the CIA for many years, and in the 1980s, he prepared the President's Daily Brief, and you can find out more about Ray at raymcgovern.com. So now what I'm going to do is I'm going to transition into the recording I did with these two gentlemen the other day, and I hope you enjoy it. All right, gentlemen, the way we're going to do this is we'll begin with David, and David, you can take anywhere from five to ten minutes, and we're going to go on the honor system here. I won't be running a clock, but... If it goes on too long, I'll start making tapping noises and clearing my throat or whatever, but I think we can do this on the honor system. So David will start, then we'll hear from Ray, and then each of you will have a chance to respond, and then we'll proceed from there. So David, without any further ado, um, why don't you uh, present your case? Sure. Well, thanks for having me, first of all. Um, I think that there's a couple different things that I find uh, sort of most interesting about uh, what's going on right now uh, that I, I find to be sort of encompassed primarily right now by Robert Mueller's investigation, uh, but really that goes beyond that as well into sort of patterns involving Donald Trump and his associates, both during the campaign and during uh, the current administration. So I think that there's sort of like a three uh, pronged approach to take here. And, you know, uh, to be super clear, I'm, of course, willing to have my mind changed on on any of these things. And I, I think that uh, really figuring out my, my ultimate goal is really just to figure out what did happen, what didn't happen. And most importantly, were any crimes committed? So I think that to start with the catalyst for what is now known as Robert Mueller's special investigation um, was the possibility that Donald Trump or people involved with his campaign or administration, quote, colluded with uh, Russia or individuals associated with the Russian government in ways that might have been illegal. Now, we don't yet know whether that did or didn't happen. And I don't I don't pretend that we know. But what I sort of focus on at this point, because, again, there's an investigation going on. Right. So we, we will by definition, we don't know, or at least I hope we don't know everything that Robert Mueller knows. There's a couple different things to think about. Number one is there's been a lot of focus on the law, not using the word collusion. And we've seen the narrative shift from 
there was no collusion to collusion isn't actually a crime. And I think that that's sort of a semantic argument that's not really relevant here, right? So I think that if we want to talk about prong one, which is, quote, collusion, we really need to think about, well, were things of valued, solicited, implicitly or explicitly uh, from foreign nationals, for example, in connection with with elections. If there's uh, things of value that have been solicited or that the Trump administration was interested in accepting, that may be a crime. And again, there's an investigation going on. We're going to have to wait. And I think when we look at uh, Donald Trump Jr. being offered, quote, dirt on Hillary and responding, if it's what you say, I love it, especially later in the summer, that is certainly an openness to accept materials of value from foreign nationals. And initially, we were told that the lawyer in question, Natalia Veselnitskaya, uh, had no connection to the Kremlin. We've since found out that actually dating back many years, she was working with the Kremlin, including on a defense of a uh, fraud case against the Russian company, and more recently um, admitting that uh, she was actually reporting to a Russian government official. So there we basically have effectively, colloquially, Donald Trump Jr., soliciting opposition research from a foreign national uh, for which there is value. Opposition research is something that costs a lot of money. We know that because how much money Cambridge Analytica was paid for the work that they were doing. So uh, that's an offer that was clearly uh, from someone that would be a foreign national under the law. It was about Hillary Clinton, meaning it's about a U.S. election. Uh, so that, that would be, if we want to talk about, quote, collusion, that's something I would look at pretty directly. In addition, the other element I think is important is that there was at least the implied offer from Donald Trump Jr. to help work on a repeal of the Magnitsky Act, which puts sanctions on Russia. That would be a quid pro quo. And again, I'm not a lawyer. We don't know what Robert Mueller knows, but I've spoken to lawyers who say that that uh, also escalates the, the potential criminality. Just as one more sort of element, and there's lots of these for this, this possible coordination, uh, we know that Trump campaign advisor George Papadopoulos did meet with a Russian agent who also said uh, he has dirt on Hillary Clinton um, later bragged about Russia, getting damaging Clinton emails, lied to the FBI about contacts with Russia. So while we will not really know the full scope of so-called collusion, and I don't pretend to know, I think that there is more than enough circumstantial evidence that this should be an investigation. And that's what I support, right? I'm not making any claims about my knowledge of specific crimes that did or didn't happen. Uh, but what I am saying is that anyone who denies that the circumstantial evidence warrants this investigation, I, I disagree with. However, then there's sort of like two other prongs. There's the prong of whether there was any criminality in attempts made to end this investigation. And once again, this is a, an ongoing investigation that's going on, were firings that took place, possibly crossing the line into criminal. Were there conversations that took place that could be considered witness tampering? And I present these once again as questions because by definition, this is an ongoing investigation. And this is why I, I have a problem with the sort of absolutist denialists who say, there definitive, definitively were no crimes, period, because we don't know that. All we have is the circumstantial information, which I would argue more than justifies uh, the investigation that's going on. And I'm glad to sort of delve more into the, the obstruction side of the conversation. Uh, and in the interest of sort of getting to the third prong here, there is no doubt that it's legally well within Robert Mueller's scope 
to explore any possible crimes that he and his investigators suspect may have been committed as a result of the investigation into both potential, quote, collusion and obstruction. Uh, and I, I think that there's no doubt at this point that money laundering is a very, very high uh, probability um, when you look at a number of different deals involving many, many different countries, including countries in the Middle East, including uh, Russia and Russian individuals as well through condo purchases, potentially with inflated values. And whether that is part of the Russia story or not sort of depends on where you draw the line. But certainly there's no doubt that those concerns for the Mueller team have stemmed from their initial investigation. And to, to sort of put a final point on it, and then I'm, I'm obviously super curious to hear Ray, Ray's perspective on this. Um, I think that a lot of what is going on is self-inflicted by Donald Trump in the sense that if from day one, if the first time that anything about Russia is mentioned, Donald Trump doesn't tweet about it, says simply, I support the full investigation. I know I will be vindicated. And in the meantime, I'm going to work on my political agenda. I think anywhere from 70 to 90% of what's going on now never happens. And it's been self-inflicted wound after self-inflicted wound carried out uh, by the president. So that's the, the sort of general overview of my position. All right. Thank you very much, David. Ray, uh, it's your turn to talk to us for a few minutes. So uh, the floor is yours. Well, I have to agree with David about self-inflicted wounds uh, on the part of Donald Trump. <laughs> I mean, you couldn't have a, a, a worse um, a worse character to heap scorn on himself. He lies all the time. The question is, uh, what happened with respect to Russian meddling, so to speak, in the uh, 2016 election? And that's what we're dealing with here. We're not dealing with whether these guys are crooks. I mean, you have to be blind or deaf and not to realize that you're dealing with a bunch of crooks. <laughs> I mean, money laundering, that's the name of the game. What are they doing with Manafort? Well, you know, he's, he's, they've got the book on Manafort. And so they say, look, uh, uh, Manafort, you know, we can, we can push away for 35 years. Um, don't you remember? Don't you remember Trump telling you about collusion with, with Russia? Yeah, if you could just remember that, um, yeah, th think about it. If you could just remember that, you probably, we could probably get you off with a six-month suspended sentence. That's the way Mueller works. The record is very clear. When we talk about crooks, he's one of them, and so is Comey. So let me just backtrack for a second and refer to the fact that I've been watching Russian leaders for over half a century actually 55 years. It's almost exactly 55 years since I joined the CIA as an analyst of Soviet foreign policy. So I've watched Russian leaders look at the world in a very, very close way. And uh, when I think about the 2016 election, you know, here is Putin watching the campaign and he's he's got his advisors around and he's saying, oh my God, it's Trump. Oh, wow. What a character. Uh, he, he's unpredictable. He, he brags about being unpredictable. A and he lashes out at the slightest uh, slight, uh, whether it's real or imagined. Oh, man, this is going to be really fun. This is just the guy I want to have with his fingers on the nuclear codes. Uh, do all we can to help him. Help him win. <laughs> 
Now, if that sounds ridiculous, it's because it is ridiculous. There is no, no suggestion in Russian statements or Russian TV shows. And I have people watching this very closely to suggest that there was a preference, that there was a preference to Donald, for Donald Trump over Hillary Clinton. That's pretty much the basic premise here. Now, a, sub, a subset here is that, quote, everyone knew Hillary Clinton would win, okay? Now, Comey says that in his book. <laughs> and Comey explains that he felt he could do the things he did, which many of which were clearly illegal, clearly unconstitutional, because he was, as he put it, he was operating in an environment where Hillary was going to win. And so when Hillary wins, you know, who's going to hold him to account for taking wild liberties with the law and the Constitution? So now, just to, to, to put an end to this point, if Hillary is going to win, if the New York Times had it 83% that she was going to win on the morning of the election, uh, you're Mr. Putin, right? And you're sitting back there and you're saying, my God, uh, everybody thinks Hillary's going to win. But, you know, I think just for fun, yeah, yeah that's what I think I'll do. I'll uh, mess in the DNC and the Democratic National Committee uh, computers and I'll see what I can find, you know, she'll follow, she'll find it out and that won't be good for, <laughs> she'll be even worse toward me than, but it's just for fun. Yeah. Send me a, give me a break. There was no percentage in Putin uh, messing around and the democratic national committee computers. So what do we have here? Do we have any evidence? <laughs> well, no, we don't. All we have is claims by corrupt people working for the democratic national committee. And I have to say that when David talked about um, opposition research, well, <laughs> you know, he neglected to mention that Hillary Clinton and the DNC played mega paid mega bucks through a cutout to have a, an ex um, UK spy do quote opposition research, turning up scurrilous detail that even Comey admitted was scurrilous about Trump cavorting with prostitutes in Moscow well before he ever became a candidate. And, you know, it, it really is, uh, is not quite right to talk about opposition research without talking about both sides. So uh, what we have here is a situation where, well, I'll, I'll, just, I'll just mention one other thing that's not widely known. We veteran intelligence professionals for sanity, uh, who include, by the way, two formal former technical directors from the National Security Agency, the NSA, um, we asked Obama formally in a memorandum before he left office, would you please, would you please make clear what evidence there is that A, the Russians hacked in to the DNC and B, they gave it to, um, to WikiLeaks, okay? Now, it turns out that what Obama said on the 18th of January, just before, two days before he left office, he said, you know, the Russian hack, so to speak, in quotes for my purposes, we don't know how it got to WikiLeaks. Um, uh, these uh, conclusive results, namely in that NSA, FBI, CIA memorandum, turn out to be, quote, inconclusive, end quote, Obama's words. 
The other thing I'll just mention is that in this spurious memorandum, which is an embarrassment to intelligence analysis, and I've been with this problem 50 years, the one that uh, they gave to uh, to the president-elect on the 6th of January, there's a sort of a left-handed compliment to WikiLeaks. <laughs> and what they say is the reason the Russian hack was given to WikiLeaks is because of their of their reputation for not fooling around with the information, for not shading it anyway, but just putting it out as is. Whoa! <laughs> so there's a, there's a reality here. Julian Assange has never, ever been successfully criticized for having molded or shaped or fixed what he puts out. It was all the real deal. And the last thing I'll say is, what was the real deal? The real deal was the Democratic National Committee documents, the emails that Julian Assange advertised that he had on the 12th of June, 2016, and which he released in a readily searchable manner on the 22nd of July, just three days before the Democratic National Convention. And what did they say? Well, people need to know that what they said was that Hillary Clinton stole the election from Bernie Sanders. <laughs> it's pure as it's pure as can be. You know, if you don't believe me, why did the why did the top five officials of the National Democratic National Committee quit on the spot? Okay, that was three days before the election. Okay, that's pretty embarrassing. But what happened? Well, the groundwork had already been laid to divert attention what was in those emails to why did the Russian do it? Why did the Russian do it? Why, why would the, why the Russian? Now, even Hillary Clinton's PR person, Jennifer Palmieri, admitted that that was a really hard sell, a really hard sell until, <laughs> until we got back to Brooklyn. And what does Jennifer Palmieri say then? She says, well, then we got intelligence people. And correspondence, journalists in touch with intelligence people, and they gave us, they gave us the material about Russian uh, colluding with Russian. And then the Obama administration started, uh, started confirming that. Then we were off and running. And so that's, that, I heard this personally from Jennifer Palmieri uh, uh, right after the election. So the whole thing was prepared. What, what, what the situation here is, and what I'd like to drive home, is that Russian collusion was initially prepared as a magnificent distraction. I remember the movie Magnificent Obsession. Well, this was a magnificent distraction from what was in those emails. And what was in those emails showed that Hillary stole the nomination from Bernie Sanders. So if you're going to look at, you know, why why we have this in my view, the worst president the United States has ever had in office, you know, you can lay that at Hillary Clinton. Because had she not, had she not stolen the nomination, Bernie Sanders, we would be looking at a President Bernie Sanders now. We would not be looking at the terrible situation, both domestically and abroad. So, you know, don't blame the Russians, for God's sake, without any evidence. Blame Hillary Clinton. All right, Ray, thank you very much. Um, David, you have... Uh I don't know, reasonable amount. I was going to say three minutes, but there's no clock running. A reasonable amount of time to respond to uh, what Ray just said. Yeah, so listen, it's difficult in a sense to respond to what Ray said because 
it has very, very little to do with any of what's actually going on with Russia. So let's see if I can just look at a few of the points that Ray made. And a lot of these points, I'm having sort of a little bit of trouble parsing the narrative because these there were a lot of things that are just kind of all over the place. So first and foremost, Ray talked about the DNC primary being rigged against Bernie Sanders and for Hillary Clinton. I, I agree with him. I've reported on that extensively. I voted for Bernie Sanders. I don't know if Bernie Sanders would have defeated Donald Trump in a general election race. It would have been a different race, but it has no bearing whatsoever on, for example, the Trump Tower meeting and its legality. So that's first and foremost. Um, the idea that there is no sort of chain of custody of hacked information between Russian actors and the Trump campaign is um, just patently untrue, right? We have extensive reporting about the direct connection between both Roger Stone, a Trump advisor, and Donald Trump Jr. and WikiLeaks' Julian Assange. We have learned a great deal about the intermediary between the hacker known as Guccifer, Guccifer 2.0, and WikiLeaks. And we have extensive information about the actions of that hacker who tried to present himself as a Romanian individual, but indeed was actually a Russian individual. But again, it has no actual bearing on, for example, whether the Trump Tower meeting was illegal. Ray also mentioned that, hey, listen, if you're going to talk about opposition research, which I did, you also have to talk about the fact that Hillary Clinton also bought opposition research. Whether Hillary Clinton also did opposition research has no bearing whatsoever on whether the Trump Tower meeting was illegal or whether the firings that took place to end the investigation by Robert Mueller constitute obstruction of justice. Um, Ray also talked about fired FBI Director James Comey and whether James Comey did or didn't act in good faith. It's a great conversation to have. It's one that I'm I'm open to having, but whether James Comey did or didn't act in good faith is simply not an argument that relates to what the Trump campaign objectively did. And Ray started his presentation by saying that Russian leaders who he's been following for a very, very long time have always tried to sow chaos in Western democracies. Uh, that's absolutely true. If you look at Alexander Dugan's book, The Foundations of Geopolitics from 1997, you see that this has been the Russian MO for a very long time. But again, it is simply not an argument that negates or refutes any of the facts that I put forward. So I think that what Ray has brought up are uh, all uh, interesting topics and relevant in a certain context, but they in no way, way actually relate to what we're discussing today. And finally, and then I'll, I'll turn this over, uh, Tom, um, the idea that the Steele dossier had only inaccuracies in it has been widely debunked. And every week we learn about another element of that dossier that has actually been confirmed. Uh, the Carter Page trips to Moscow and meetings with Russian officials, Michael <clears throat> Cohen's role in pursuing business opportunities for Trump in Russia, the allegations that were initially denied by Trump that he had spent several nights in Moscow in 2013 around that pageant, which was initially completely denied by Trump. We now know from airplane records that it's actually true. In other words, every week, another element of the Steele dossier is confirmed to be true. So I, uh, on, on the facts that, uh, that Ray tried to assert to contradict me, I think he's wrong on the facts. And then most of what he said just doesn't actually relate to the discussion today. All right, Ray, uh, 
Now you have uh, several minutes to respond to David. Sure. Um, let me uh, just respond to some of these points. Uh, Robert Mueller um, has a reputation. I won't go into that. Let's talk about Comey right now. Now, the celebrated charge is that Trump fired Comey because he wanted to suppress the investigation. Now, what really happened? What really happened was on the 6th of January, 2017, the intelligence directors went and briefed President-elect Trump. It was Comey, it was John Brennan of CIA, it was Rogers from NSA, and who's the other person? Uh, well, it was, uh, you know, Clapper, who uh, sits about, sits over all this stuff as national intelligence director. Now, uh, Comey has made it clear that he asked the others to leave after they had briefed him on this, as I say, the worst piece of intelligence analysis, fact and evidence impoverished, which said that Putin really wanted Trump to win and interfered. After they had briefed him on that, then Comey says, by his own admission, that he raised the 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 urination tapes, the, the business about now. This is how it happens, by the way, in Washington, when a new president comes in. The head of the FBI says, uh, now, Mr. President-elect, uh, we don't, this is pretty scurrilous stuff, and we, we can't really, uh, it's not confirmed, but you should know, you should know that we have these, we have this information, okay, and the press has it too, and so, uh, you know, you, you should just know that, that they say that you did A, A, B, and C. Now, this is an old tactic, as I say, with new presidents by the deep state, represented in this case by Comey. Now, if I were Trump, I would fired Comey on the spot. I said, don't bring me any unconfirmed, scurrilous information and try to intimidate me by saying that you've got this stuff and I should know about it. You're fired. Instead, he waited a while. Now, when he did fire Comey, uh, he admitted to uh, somebody, to one of the, the uh, TV personalities, yeah, I, I I fired him because of this Russia thing. Now, that was widely interpreted as uh, his uh, admission that he wanted to suppress this Russian investigation. Now, it wasn't that. It was that Comey was trying to intimidate the president, trying to get a lever over him by saying, look, we got this stuff here. We can't confirm it or anything. I would have fired him on the spot. What you know, As this thing plays out, and the thing I agree with David on this, is that we have to let Mueller continue to play. But meanwhile, there have been some uh, revelations which need to be um, addressed. Let me talk about Guccifer 2.0. David says that he was a Russian. <laughs> David, this is going to shock you. But Guccifer 2.0 was John Brennan of the CIA, and we can prove it. Do you know about, well, I won't ask you, uh, there is a, um, a bevy of documents released in March of this year coming directly from the CIA. No one disputes its authenticity. It was given by an insider, probably a contractor. Julia Assange started publishing them in March. Now, what did, they, what did they talk about? They talked about cyber tools that are in the arsenal that CIA deploys with the help of the NSA, which are the real experts. Uh, one, for example, allowed, uh, allowed whoever wanted to do it to take control of a car and make it go 110 miles an hour and get, and get the person killed in the car. Another one allowed people to snoop 
through a TV that was ostensibly off, but was on recording everything in your bedroom. But those were small potatoes. On the 31st of March, and David, you can be forgiven for not knowing about this because the New York Times, Washington, the uh, Wall Street Journal, they all they all checked with the CIA and said, well, can we print this? And they said, no, 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 don't print that. What did that say? It was called, this tool was called Marble Framework. Now, uh, what did it work in? Well, it worked in five languages, Chinese, Persian, uh, Korean, uh, Arabic, and Russian, okay, Cyrillic. Now, what's the point here? The point here is that this tool, according to the CIA document, was designed to hack into other computers and other computer systems and, quote, obfuscate, end quote, who attacked in and leave telltale signs in like, ooh, Cyrillic, Russian, and other places uh, so that they can attribute it, misattribute it to somebody else. Now, uh, Bill Binney, who knows a lot more about this kind of technology than I do, he was previous technical director at NSA, he tells me, and it's very likely that this celebrated hack, which was done on, <laughs> superimposed on Russian MS Word equivalent templates and included the name of the first head <laughs> of the uh, forerunner of the KGB in Russia, that that clearly was not uh, done by some weird mistake by the Russian intelligence services that most likely was done by this cyber tool uh, inventory that the CIA has and that it has deployed. So, you know, don't tell me about Guccifer 2.0 unless you really have looked into it. We have looked into it. The only, the only outfit that claims this kind of thing is an outfit called CrowdStrike. That's run pretty much by DNC people, by the Atlantic Council people. These are the people who looked into the so-called hack the hack that was described by uh, John McCain as an act of war, described by John Bolton as a true act of war. What did Comey do? What did Comey do? Well, uh, he didn't ask or he didn't secure the proper warrant to look at the DNC computers. Now, that's kind of embarrassing. Act of war? And so he's asked about this at Congress in the Senate. And they said, now, uh, Director Comey, um, why is it that uh, you didn't uh, seize those computers or at least send your people in? Look at the, you know, how the hack happened. And <laughs> he squirmed and he said, well, uh, I concede. I concede that that's best practice. Uh, you should actually have a, a physical, a physical uh, access to the computers. But, uh, uh, but there was a, a first-rate uh, first cyber team that was working on it. First-rate, give me a break. CrowdStrike is as crooked as they come. So, you know, the last thing I'll say here is that you can be forgiven, David, because you get a lot of your information from the New York Times. Now, I'm from the New York. Uh, my parents wouldn't go to bed at night without reading the New York Times through and through. If, if they fell asleep, they put it in a special place and they'd read that former day's edition before they'd even open the new one. New York Times used to be all the news that fits that was fit to print, almost, but no longer. And uh, that's the real core here. When I was still on active duty at the CIA, there was a fellow named William Casey came in under Ronald Reagan. And at the first White House meeting, 
he announced to not only Reagan, but the other cabinet-level officials this, quote, We'll know that our disinformation is complete when everything the American people believes is false, period, end quote. That's where we are now. How do I know that? From someone who was there, Barbara Honiger. And she, uh, she gave it to one of the correspondents. It was published, but, you know, I'm just sort of like on page B17. Uh, that's the deal here. What you, if you, depending on the New York Times, the Washington, uh, Washington Post, the Wall Street Journal, you are not hearing anything about, for, for example, uh, how the, the House Intelligence Committee has come up with a, uh, a year-long investigation, the, the outcome of which is to dispute this notion that there's any evidence of the major premise, the major premise being that Putin preferred Trump and therefore sent his minions in to attack the cyber system of the DNC and so forth. So, you know, it's really, uh, really unfortunate because I've never seen it quite this bad. And it, it's not, you know, incidental. Uh, you know, we're talking about the other nuclear-powered country. And as long as hysteria is whipped up with no, I repeat, no provable evidence, then, you know, this is very dangerous because people are, are being conditioned, just as they were before the war in Iraq, to believe that Putin is the equivalent of Saddam Hussein and we have to do something about it. All right, Ray, thank you very much. Uh, David, now is uh, the part of our uh, debate here where you can ask Ray, any direct question you would like to ask him, and then Ray will have an opportunity to ask you a question. Yeah, I mean, listen, Tom, I I, uh, I apologize, but I'm I'm really struggling here to follow the thread, and there there were just so many misstatements and allusions to conspiracy theories by Ray that I I just I don't I I'm not in really I would be in a position to sort of follow up with some of my concerns about what he said, but uh, we're, we're so far off the path here that I don't even know how I would put together one question for, for Ray at this point. I, would I be allowed instead to maybe just respond to a few of the things that Ray said? If you'd prefer to do that, that's fine, but then Ray will be able to ask you whatever he wants, but if that's what you'd prefer. That's totally fine. I mean, listen, Ray insisted in that last bit of uh, on talking about James Comey. Uh, he claimed that it's simply not true that Trump fired Comey to suppress the investigation. Trump admitted that that's why he fired Comey on national television to Lester Holt, right? So the, the premise would be that Trump lied when he admitted what his motives were. I, I would be curious as to why. Like, in other words, it's bad enough to admit to that. If you're going to falsely admit to that, there must be something even worse that is making you admit to something like that. Uh, Ray called into question the urination tape element of the dossier, I, I think in an attempt to discredit the entire thing. But as I, as I said, I've already listed to you multiple elements of it that have been confirmed. So it's simply not an argument to say that because the urination tapes are yet as confirmed that there's nothing true in the dossier. Uh, you know, I, I, I don't know that I'm prepared at this point to really get into a full discussion about the deep state that Ray referred to, but that's, 
typically, you know, that that's not a direction I'm I'm really comfortable going in at this point, simply because I think that it's a total distraction and red herring. Um, the idea that Guccifer 2.0 is former CIA director John Brennan, I've seen no evidence of that whatsoever, and I would invite Ray to present evidence that he has of that, uh, and I am willing to have my mind changed, but I think it's a completely spurious allegation. Um, and then, you know, big, bigger picture, I just am not following the argument that that Ray is making here that rebuts any of what I said. And and so with that said, I'm glad to have Ray ask me any any question he wants, but I'm I'm really struggling here, Tom. Uh, okay, well listen, I'll give Ray Ray you have 2 minutes to respond because we'll take that as like a question. You have 2 minutes just to respond to that um, and then give uh, David a question. Okay, uh, conspiracy theories. Now, this is the way people dismiss the reality. Uh, the first time it was used by Alan Dulles, where? Uh, Alan Dulles ran the Warren Commission uh, looking into the assassination of John Kennedy. When people said, hey, how can you do this? The CIA may have been involved, which it was demonstrably involved. Uh, he said, oh, conspiracy theory, conspiracy theory, conspiracy theory, and that's used to dismiss reality. Now, this business about um, David saying that it's well known that to Lester Holt, um, uh, President Trump admitted, uh, quoting David, that uh, it was uh, to suppress the, the uh, investigation. Uh, you know, David, words are really important. You have to go back and look at what President Trump said. He said, and I quote, because of this Russian thing, end quote. Now, I think you'll have to admit that's ambiguous at best, but I think that the Russian thing was Mueller's determination uh, with the rest of these people to discredit Trump, uh, to say that he is uh, falsely elected because the Russians helped. And that's very clear. It was because of the Russian thing, but not the Russian thing to, to, to suppress it because of Comey, but because of Comey's uh, bent to do this other thing. Now, confirmed, the dossier, come on, give me a break. It hasn't been confirmed. There's nothing in that that has been confirmed. Deep state, well, you know, look at the FBI texts. Look at the texts between Peter Strzok and his lover, Lisa Page. They were, they were constructing a, quote, uh, insurance policy end quote, in case Trump won. It's very clear. So it's not it's not a conspiracy theory. It's not something dreamed up. Now, I can understand why you don't know about Guccifer too, because you haven't read the New York, because all you read is the New York Times. You probably don't even know about Vault 7 and the documents that, that, that are true documents, authentic, that uh, Julian Assange described as being more revealing than all the material that Edward Snowden brought out into Hong Kong. So I forgive you for not knowing about that. There is one brief story in the Washington Post about it, the headline of which said, Whoa, recent revelation uh, from Vault 7 marble that shows that blows the whistle on the cover the, that the CIA has been using to hack into other systems. So read that, please, and see if you don't uh, understand why it could be. And this is, you know, this is, uh, as I say, this is not factual as uh, Bill Binney usually is and I, but this is a very reasonable suspicion that since there's no evidence, zero, of Russian hacking, that this celebrated hack, the one on July 5, 2016, uh, bears the earmarks 
of the application of something called Vault 7 Marble Framework, which was developed by the CIA with great help from the NSA, and which program includes 700 million lines of code, okay? 700 million. Now, if you talk $25 a line, <laughs> that's a lot of money. So uh, let's leave it there. It's just that, you know, it's too bad we can't uh, speak from the same base of knowledge because, well, as I say, Ray, New can York you Times transition? Is not sufficient. Mm -hmm. Can you transition into your question? Uh, okay, yeah. Well, let me just ask, uh, David, have you ever heard of Vault 7 Marble Framework? Yes, I have. Ah, you have. Okay. What do you think of it? I think that it is wholly unrelated to any of the case that I laid out here today. And I remain um, stunningly sort of confused as to, you know, going back to what I was thinking we were going to discuss, in what way does any of this relate to the legality or illegality of the Trump Tower meeting or whether obstruction of justice took place. Uh, I guess that that's the part that I'm missing. The Trump Tower meeting was set up by a, a music promoter on the false, on the false uh, allegation that there would be real dirt revealed in this thing. Uh, the Trump Tower meeting is nothing. If, if uh, Mueller thought the Trump Tower meeting meant something, meant something, he would have focused on it. Uh, Mueller has hit a dry well, let's face it. And now he's circulated 49 questions. <laughs> 49 questions. I mean, listen, none of that is true. The, 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 these are just falsehoods. The Mueller did not circulate any questions. Those 49 questions were actually taken down by Trump's lawyer, Jay Sekulow. Uh, that, Where, that did Where did he get them? Where did he get them? He got them did, from... He, he from got Mueller. them from... Mueller. The idea Nobody, that those are questions that came from the special counsel. There, those were questions formulated by Donald Trump's lawyer as possible questions that would be asked based on the general topics that Robert Mueller's team communicated would be topics of discussion if ever Donald Trump sits down with Robert Mueller. But that now Ray has already moved the goalpost. He first said that Robert Mueller circulated 49 questions. Now he's saying the questions came from something Robert Mueller said. So very quickly you see, Tom, how a lot of these assertions just are changed when I just offer the most minute pushback. Now, David, you just admitted that uh, Trump's lawyers met with Mueller's lawyers Mueller's I don't know if it lawyers, was a physical meeting or a phone call. All right. Well, all right. They talked. Okay. And yeah. Mueller's lawyers gave Trump's lawyers a very good idea, which which Trump's lawyers composed into 49 questions that Mueller was interested in asking. Is that correct? That's my understanding of what. No, that's what. That, look, the New York Times says that. They say they have six, six people to prove it, and nobody has denied it. So that's how these 49 questions arose. They are broad questions, they go into everything and, and, and anything, and they reflect to me a very desperate attempt to get the president to incriminate himself by saying a wrong a wrong fact that he doesn't remember correctly and then yeah, they do but the that's, same that's, thing that's the perjury trap nonsense like the, the idea yeah, that a right. trap that's is being that's laid that's not nonsense Trump, that's Trump the way will either go in Trump will either go in and tell the truth or not and say he doesn't remember if he doesn't remember but the entire concept of a quote perjury trap is is not something that's serious for discussion oh, come on. that's what they used on on the general what's his name general uh, <laughs> 
the general who was national security advisor. That's what they used on him. See, they intercepted. Ray, is your is, is your assertion that the only reason Michael Flynn got into trouble was not because he genuinely did things that were crimes, but because a perjury trap was set for him and he fell for it? Is that is that really your argument here? That's not my argument. Those are the oh, facts, okay. David. Yeah, those are the facts. Okay, what he did in terms of consulting with foreign leaders was completely what any national security advisor incoming would do. What they did was they got him through an intercepted conversation, which was unmasked. And they said, now, did you talk about sanctions? And he said, you know, no, I didn't. So that's lying to the FBI. So what do they do next? Well, they said, aha, okay, we indict him. Okay, and now we can get him to talk about other things he knows. And the other things he knew were not sufficiently incriminating. So that Mueller, that is, Mueller is waiting till the end of the, the year so that he can go right through the election get uh, get uh, this thing percolating all that time. And uh, the Senate Intelligence Committee, uh, thankfully, has the documents, okay? So if we wait, and we'll see what the Senate Intelligence Committee does after they re-interview John Brennan and the others, I think we'll know a lot more, David. And you ought to really look at more than the New York Times. All right, listen. Let, Ray, let me, I'm let me. Ray, I'm confused. Just, just two quick notes. Okay. Earlier in the debate, Ray criticized me for getting my news from the New York Times. And in his last statement, he told me that something is unquestionably true because it was reported by the New York Times. That's confusing. One other contradiction. I knew you'd catch that. I knew you'd catch that, but it is true. Every now and then, the New York Times has five or six things, and it's confirmed by the administration. Then you can- The one other thing I don't understand is earlier during the conversation, uh, Ray said he agreed with me that indeed the Robert Mueller investigation should continue, should go forward, and we should see where it ends up. But then he most recently said that it's actually a calculated political move to go through the election, presumably to impact it. So if that's what you believe about the investigation, why do you agree with me that it should be allowed to continue? Well, because the cost of ending it would be too politically uh, volatile. You know, let the thing go. He's not going to come up with anything. The House has been at it for a whole year. They've come up with the decision that there was no meddling. The Senate, what are they doing? And so, you know, let them go. I mean, let them keep, keep doing it. It's a political game. I don't give a, a, a rat's patootie about how they go. All I, all I want to point out is that after a year, a guy like Mueller, with the assets that he has, and with his access to NSA and other really sensitive sources, if he can't come up with anything better than some, some, some uh, Facebook uh, operations, then, you know, it's sort of uh, embarrassing. All right, yeah, let me, again, let me jump I mean, in. Well, I'd like to reassert control here, if I may. All right, because, David, let me start. I'm going to ask each of you a question, but I'm going to ask Ray a question, and maybe it's the kind of question that you would want to have asked him for clarification. So, Ray, have there been any meetings that you know of between Trump people and Russian operatives or Russian officials that give you any kind of pause? Uh, give me some pause? Sure, yeah. Uh, they don't give me any evidence, though. Well, let's flesh that out a bit. Uh, what do you? Th- what is something that concerns you? Give me a specific example. Well, I think that, that Trump Jr. was stupid in rising to the debate to meet with this lawyer. He was promised by some music promoter, as I recall, that, oh, there'd be some dirt on, on Hillary Clinton. And uh, so he should have said, this is real, look into this thing and, and not... So that, that gives me some pause. But, you know, we intelligence analysts, like detectives, 
um, look at evidence. And uh, that's what Mueller actually has been doing. He's come up a cropper. He's come up with zero except for these really extraneous things. What does Stormy Daniels have to do with collusion between Trump and, uh, and the Russians? What does Manafort, what does the fact that Trump, well before anyone suspected he would be a presidential candidate, fool around with money laundering or whatever deals with the Russians, who cares about that? It has no relevance to the situation unless there's some tie that proves that this put a handle on later candidate and now President Trump. It's all, you know, it's it's very bizarre. It reminds me very much of the weapons of mass destruction before Iraq, before the war in Iraq. Everybody believed it because that's what the New York Times and the major media told them. It's even worse now. All right, David, let me ask you a question. And I realize that, of course, this question doesn't really strike at the heart of what you've been arguing, but it's still something that's on my mind, and I'd just like to know your thoughts on it. There are some of us out there who are concerned, regardless of the merits of the case. In fact, let's assume for the sake of argument, let's just set aside the merits of the case. There are people, we believe, that um, there are a lot of influential folks who seem to want to prevent some kind of detente or reconciliation between the United States and Russia. And some of those people, I think, who don't really know that many of the details are pushing, like you know, the sort of people you would encounter in the in the press or uh, on in social media, are pushing the Russiagate story because they think it'll throw a monkey wrench in the works to make it more difficult for Trump to try to negotiate better relations with Russia. Now, my primary issue when I think about political candidates and politics. My primary issue is war and peace. I think we've had way too much war. I think almost all the war has been based on propaganda. And I think I've been vindicated time after time. And it's my concern that this momentum is being used to tie Trump's hands to make it harder to do what he may want to do, I suppose, which is to bring about better relations with Russia. Um, What do you, are you concerned about that, that Regardless, again, regardless of the of the merits of the case, maybe maybe your side is completely correct or your suspicions are entirely warranted. But is there at least a concern that, unfortunately, it, it seems to play into the hands of some really bad dudes, if I may put it that way? If you're asking me whether I am in any way supportive of choosing to have poor relations with a country when that's not what the facts dictate we should have? The answer is, of course not. If the question is, do I think that there are individuals who are uh, acting in bad faith when it comes to Trump Russia? I think the answer is absolutely yes to people on both sides of the political aisle. And we, we don't have time to really delve into the details as to why. Um, so I don't, and, and whether I, you know, have a particular opinion as to what any individual has as a motive for talking about Trump Russia. I can only speak to my motives and they don't fall under the umbrella of what you're describing. All right. We are, we've gone longer than I, Tom, can I just make one short comment? If it's under a minute? Yes. Okay. Um, both sides of the aisle. I have to really clarify that in the intelligence analysis profession, not intelligence operations, but intelligence analysis, there's no aisle. Uh, This may sound sort of uh, obsolete or or outdated, but we we seek the truth. And, uh, you know, 
It's very embarrassing for me to be being accused of either a Putin or a pump or a Trump apologist, because I think Trump is the very worst president we ever had. I have nine grandchildren. They're not going to have clean air to breathe when they get to be my age. This is serious. okay? but I don't want Trump to be accused falsely of doing something that he didn't do. Call me, you know, call me nostalgic or something, but I seek the truth. There's lots of reason to impeach this guy to get rid of him, but not because of this drummed up story to explain largely why Hillary Clinton lost the election. All right. Now, I've, as I said, I've probably kept you guys more than I said I would, and so I don't want to trespass too much further on your time, but I do want to give each of you, and on this, I'm going to be a real stickler. I am going to have a clock. Um, I'm going to give each of you three minutes to wrap up uh, what you want people to think about as we conclude today. So, David, we'll start with you. Yeah, I don't I don't need nor do I even have the full three minutes. I do have to get to produce my show. I think the only thing that in the context of this interview, I would say is when you listen to the interview and if you have to go back and listen to it again, explore whether any of my assertions were actually rebutted by anything Ray said. On a lot of the issues, you'll see that they were not. On the ones where it sounds like they were, just Google the issue before you make a decision. Okay. So, Ray, you've got three minutes to wrap up from your side. Sure. Well, uh, Tom, I guess I would just say that uh, uh, we need to be fact-based here. When David says, you know, Google the answers, well, you know, people need to <laughs> need to realize that if they Google the answers, they're not going to come across the things I said. It'll all be from the New York Times and the Wall Street Journal, Washington Post. So the questions that I would uh, request that listeners listen, uh, think about was, number one, when there's an allegation made about Manafort or Page or whatever, uh, what, what does it have to do with whether Trump and his campaign colluded with Russia? That's one of the big things here, okay? Uh, most of this stuff has no remote uh, unless you get a like a guy like Manafort, who seems to be a crook from the from the day one, uh, guilty of all kinds of money laundering and everything else, and you know the tactic there is for Mueller to get get him aside and say, well, look, you know, if you tell us about Russian collusion, you know, you might we'll let you off with less than your that we could get you for. So the whole thing is uh, is a construct initially begun when Hillary Clinton thought that she could win the election by criticizing Trump for being open to dealing with the Russians, and then for a very, very successful attempt to disguise what happened with respect to WikiLeaks revelations about how she and her campaign witnessed the fact that the, the top five people that the DNC quit on the spot uh, colluded to make sure that uh, Bernie Sanders would not win. Now, now Bernie Sanders, uh, in my view, would <laughs> would have been a shoe in over Donald Trump. And so these things are consequential. And when I say uh, uh, when I say that Bernie Sanders would have been better than Donald Trump, I don't think any proof is needed to 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 indicate that. And so one has to go back to the beginning where these charges originated, the purpose for which they were manufactured, how the intelligence people helped the, the DNC do this. And I just say, stay tuned, because 
if we can believe uh, Nunes, who is the head of the House Intelligence Committee, he's got the documents. And what we see in Comey's book and what we see in a lot of the uh, defense kind of stuff from the FBI and the DOJ is a sort of a preemptive attack to pour doubt on the documents that uh, Nunes says he has and some of which he has already referred to the Department of Justice for prosecution of the deputy director of, CIA, of uh, FBI, James uh, Comey's deputy, McCabe. So there's a lot here. And uh, my, my sorrow is simply this, that when I think back at how we tried to educate the American people to the fact that there were no weapons of mass destruction and that the charges that Saddam Hussein was in touch with al-Qaeda was spurious and ridiculous on their face, we could not get into the major media. Can we get into the major media now? We can not only not get into the major media, Tom, we can't get on Amy Goodman, for God's sake. So even the alternative media doesn't want to hear that there's some real doubt as to whether Trump colluded with the Russians. There's not only real doubt, there's no evidence that that was the case. All right. Well, my thanks to both of you gentlemen, David and Ray, for your time today. You've both been very generous and we appreciate it. Thank you. Most welcome. Appreciate it. Thank you. All right, everybody. That's going to do it for today. Now, on Monday, I've got David Stockman coming back. Of course, he's from the Reagan administration. He's such an interesting guy. I always love talking to him. He had an appearance recently on Fox Business where he was batting down warmonger propaganda left and right, and it was just hysterical to watch. It was one platitude after another being hurled at him, and he's just smashing every single one of them. So I want to talk to him about that. But also, he is very much, when it comes to the economy, a Trump skeptic, and he's unconvinced by some of the economic claims being made. So we're going to talk about that also. Stockman's hardcore. There's just no getting around it, and super-duper smart, and it's always a delight to have him. So stay tuned for episode 1151 coming up on Monday, and thanks for listening. Become a smarter libertarian in just 30 minutes a day. Visit TomWoods.com to subscribe to the show for free, and we'll see you next time.